0: electronic device with your Bible on it, like I do, hold it up. And uh, we repeat a little mantra together, and it goes like this. I'm a child of God. I have in my hand the powerful Word of God. can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. And then we have a prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, Amen. I used to watch on Sunday night a preacher named John Osteen. Maybe you're familiar with that last name. His son, Joel, is the preacher at that Lakewood church in Houston today. Much, much bigger church than his dad ever had. But John Osteen used to do something every Sunday night, and Joel still does it on Sundays at the church, but they would do a little repeat mantra thing like that. But what I liked about his dad was he was just a little bitty diminutive man and had a little punch belly on him. Now, mine's a little more than a punch belly, but he has a punch belly on him. And he would he would kind of rock back on his heels and that old thing would stick out and his old hair would slick back. And he'd look at the, he'd look at the camera and he'd say, I want to talk just to you right now. <laughs> and then he would talk like you and I were having coffee together. He and I were having coffee together. So, you know, that's the way the Lord is with us, isn't it? He wants to have coffee with us. He wants to sit down across the table. He just wants to have fellowship with us. And so today, we're glad you're here. We're in, our, we're in a series of messages we started back in January. And you might say, oh, no, I, well, I didn't. You're okay, because every one of them stands by itself. But they also build on themselves, and they're all online, and we'll, we'll have information on the screen at the end of our service. So you can figure out know how to get to those and uh, catch up, listen to them. If you're having a hard time falling asleep at night, my wife uses them to just knocks her right out. So uh, but she's heard me preach for a long, long time. So anyway, I encourage you to uh, be a part of what we're doing here at River Oaks. And uh, today we're going to talk about a kingdom torn in two. I had a lot of preachers uh, I visited with uh, over, over the course of a week and to get encouragement, to give encouragement. And uh, one of them asked me, said, are you going to, Stay with the series you're doing. And I said, I think I am. He said, but this is Easter. I said, I'm well aware of that. He said, well, how can a kingdom torn in two fit Easter? Ha <laughs> ha. You'll see. It's going to be great. Stay with me. If you were here in the early service, you already know. So you can go ahead and leave. No, i But I want to welcome you today. We're going to be in those Bibles you held up for electronic device. Get to your Bible. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 11. In 1 Kings chapter 12, jump over to 14. We're going to kind of be in 1 Kings for a little bit this morning. So if you've got that, get those uh, scriptures in hand and we'll be ready to look at some of them shortly. also have them on the screen for you. If you happen to not bring one with you, that's not a problem. We have some scattered throughout the church in the little rack in front of you of the chair. Feel free to grab that Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, just take it. Okay? We'll replace it, but just take it. Uh, we've yet to start this. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm really thinking about doing it. If uh, when we pass the offering from now on, uh, well, I don't know from now on. But anyway, we're thinking about it. I am. If you need gas money, I'm gonna tell you take twenty bucks out of there and put gas in your car. Now that's a that's a move in it. <laughs> somebody somebody might get real excited and get say, man, I've got four cars. Okay, well, you know, you do, you do. Let me give you a little catch up where we are. God is using the nation of Israel to reveal His character to the rest of the world so they would want to do life with Him. when they got along and they obeyed God, He showed great favor on them. When they didn't get along with God and they were disobedient, hey, He didn't show much favor to them. And if you want the favor of God, you've got to do what God tells you to do. And so we need to understand that he wants us to be a part of his community building program. But it's on his terms. Not on our terms. But so often we try to have Christianity on our terms. And the sooner we get to letting Christianity be on God's terms, the greater it works. If you're a tither. See, the people that get mad about tithing messages are those who don't tithe. (laughs) People who get upset about talking about soul winning and bringing the lost in are those who don't do it. When you talk about church growth, that we shouldn't be the same number, we ought to be three times this size in number are people who don't want it to get any bigger than that because they're comfortable with what they got. But how many of us change our houses that we live in? Yep. How many of us rearrange our houses we live in? How many of us get new furniture in those houses we live in? How many of us do landscaping every year at those houses we live in? Yeah! Why do you paint a new room? Because you want it to look different. You want it to be appealing to you and your guests that come to your home. You know, we ought to be doing that in our own life, shouldn't we? We shouldn't be the same as we were ten years ago. Five years ago, one year ago, we ought to look different to God. He ought to see something different in us, amen? We ought to be able to throw our hands up and say, Jesus! Now I know you're saying, whoop, wrong kind of church. No, no, no. you got to get excited about the Lord, Amen. Now this morning, we have a baptism. And after the baptism, we normally sing a song, but today we're not going to sing that song. Okay? Uh, this young man's requested a song. I can't wait for you to hear this song. It's <laughs> the kind of music I'd rather hear. Never mind, let's move on. Okay. <clears throat> Solomon was king of Israel during the glory years. It, you know, it's, it's easy to be king if everything's going well. If God's favor is on you, and, who man, it was great times in the nation of Israel when Solomon was leading the nation. And in 1 Kings chapter 11, we get a glimpse of that. Okay? It says, I hope, there it is. He had commanded him about this so that he would not follow other gods, but Solomon did not do what the Lord had commanded. Uh-oh. Then the Lord said to Solomon, since you have done this and did not keep my covenant and my statutes, which I commanded you, I will tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. However, I will not do it during your lifetime because of your father, David. I will tear it out of your son's hand. Yet I will not tear the entire kingdom away from him. I will give one tribe to your son because of my servant, David, and because of Jerusalem that I chose. God is telling Solomon, because of your disobedience, there's going to be a price to pay. Because of your disobedience. So now the stage is set in history, in the Bible. And it's one of the most, least, let me say the least familiar, maybe confusing, challenging sections of Scripture. Where at the end of chapter 11, Solomon is nearing the end of his life. And his reign as king. And God makes a promise to Jeroboam, one of Solomon's officials. He says, you're going to be the next king. You won't be the king of all the tribes. You'll be the king of most of them. But you will have to wait. You'll have to wait. Solomon hears of this. Doesn't sit well with him. So he does what every politician wants to do. If you have someone running against you that is more popular. Is you try to get rid of them. So, he set out to kill Jeroboam. I heard a preacher one time say, man, we're going to hear today the battle of all battles. The battle of the Boam boys. Jeroboam and Rehoboam. Man, he had us set up, ready to go. I thought it was going to be the okay corral. <laughs> but Jeroboam hides out in Egypt till Solomon dies. And after Solomon dies, his son Rehoboam is made king. <clears throat> and now we've got two problems. Because God... Set up Jeroboam to be king. And so you had one man appointed and one man anointed. Rehoboam was appointed, Jeroboam anointed. And what's going to happen is that there's going to be a kingdom. It gets torn in two. Because a kingdom cannot have two leaders. And you see on the map up there on the screen, the northern part of Israel, that's where the, two, the, the ten tribes were, and Jeroboam, and then the southern part, Judah, Rehoboam, only two tribes. But what's important in the southern kingdom, just above the H in Judah, is the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem has always been and will always be a very integral part of God's plan. Now you can try to take it away, you can try to squeeze the borders, you can try to do all kinds of stuff, but you're messing with God now. Don't, don't mess with God. How many of you have learned that lesson in life? Don't mess with God. Faith Haygood is a black preacher that I've come across. He's out of Compton, California. Now I understand Compton's a, a high roller place in California. Now, Compton, California is a rough place to live. And Brother Fate has his church right in the middle of them. They run about 60, 70 like we do. But Fate was preaching a message at Pepperdine University. That's pretty uppity-uppity folks at Pepperdine. So Fate's preaching along and he says, Now I don't know about you, but I read a lot in the Bible about these cherubims. He said, every time I read about these cherubim, it's not a good thing. So what I want you to understand is don't jack with them. Don't jack with the cherubim if you see them. (laughs) Now that's just spoke straight up to you. Don't jack with them. Just like it is, don't jack with God. Amen? Don't mess around with Him. If He tells you to do something, get up and do it. It's like when your dad told you to get up and mow the grass and you laid there. How long did you get to lay there? Well, if you had the kind of dad I had, you weren't there very long. <laughs> he came over. I tell you, my dad was the most religious man I'd ever met. He prayed for me all the time. Hands around my neck, and I was outside on my knees praying. I'm telling you, I was praying that somehow Lord take him off of <laughs> me. Mowing the grass was the easy part. So those ten tribes up north, two down the south. It's the beginning of the darkest time in the history of God's people. But we learned two great lessons from this struggle. And I know you're still saying, well, how's this tying to Easter? Hang on, I'm almost there. You see, the first lesson I want you to learn is that today's decisions become tomorrow's reality. Today's decisions become tomorrow's reality. Your actions have a ripple effect Now, you may say, oh, and I've heard couples tell me, well, you know, preacher, I I found this man or I found this woman. I said, but you're married. Oh, they they don't. This person really understands me. Oh, and the other one doesn't? The one that's put up with you for 10, 15 years? Doesn't understand you? Probably understands you better than you want to know. But we start thinking it's not going to, A, it's not affecting anybody, it's only affecting B. It's going to affect your, your future relationships, it's going to affect the present relationship, it's going to affect the children that are involved in all this, because it does. Now those things happen. They do happen. Life happens. I understand that. But the good news is, we can put God in the middle of everything and make it work. Even if marriages dissolve, even if situations stop, you can have commonality in doing the things that God wants you to do. But you know as well as I do that today's decisions become tomorrow's reality. When I was 26, I thought I could ski down the side of a mountain in New Mexico. Well, I did pretty well. I got off the ski lift, I skied around to the right. It looked like a shortcut through some trees. I decided to go the shortcut instead of take the long, slow route around. Wisdom would have said take the long, slow route around. Foolishness of youth said take the shortcut. Probably it was in the shade of the trees and so that was all ice instead of any snow on it. And I tore my left knee up. And I've been paying the price for that ever since. It gets worse every year, every day, I think. Because my decision then had a reality today. All of us do. Sin has a way of doing that, doesn't it? Hanging around. Hanging around. you got a kingdom torn in two. How did that come about? How did that happen? Well, part of it was the consequences of Solomon's refusal to obey God. We just read about it. If only Solomon had obeyed, if only I hadn't chosen this instead of this, my, how different it would be. Can you look back in your life and think, if I would have done this instead of doing what I did, oh my goodness, how different it would be. Oh, Lord have mercy. Then you've got the consequences of Rehoboam's refusal to listen to wise counsel. You see, Solomon was overburdening the people. And it was affecting them greatly. And Rehoboam was seeking wisdom, and so he asked the elders what to do. Look at First Kings 12 and verse 8. But he rejected the advice of the elders who had advised him and consulted with the young men who had grown up with him and served him. You see, he didn't listen to wisdom. He went with the young guys who wanted what they wanted. And so he increased the workload on the, on the Israelites And it created a problem for him. So the kingdom's divided. You see, when we seek God's Word, we should listen to what it says. Jesus said, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus said, If your burdens are heavy, bring them to Me. I'll help carry them for you. He was bruised for my iniquities. He was whipped and beaten for my cleansing. His blood was shed on the cross so I could be saved. Pastor Lockridge, years ago, preached a sermon. It's Friday. Sunday's coming. If you've never listened to it, listen to it on YouTube, man. It'll, it'll, it'll send chills up and down your back. <laughs> I'd like to preach like he does. There's a point in there. He just All he says is, it's Friday. The crowd just goes nuts. <laughs> Friday. Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. Because, see, that's really the essence of it. It's not what happened on Friday. Hallelujah. It's what happened on Sunday. <laughs> Woo! We can dance and shout and sing hallelujah. Amen. We need to pray when we see God's word. Seek God's word, and then we need to seek Godly counsel. In Titus chapter two, it's the story of the older folks giving advice to the younger folks. Younger folks listening to what the older people had to say. Well, we still got that option today for you. But you see, young people—they know it all. Lord, have mercy—they know it all. They don't understand why their life keeps spiraling out of control when you try. And older people are watching them, just smiling, just smiling. Say, yeah, you can keep trying that. What I tell young people now is, look, before you do one more thing, as fast and as hard as you can, run into that wall. Head first. Hit that wall as hard as you can. Because when you wake up, there may be some sense in your head. Oh, it's amazing. How many times in my life did I run into that wall? Proverbs Fifteen twenty-two. Plans fail when there is no counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Seek counsel. If I'm going to make a business decision, I'm going to find businessmen who have made good decisions. I don't want to find a guy that's went into bankruptcy. (laughs) I want to find a guy... and ladies and men that have made good business decisions. If I'm going to make a parenting decision, I'm going to look for parents that are doing a decent job of raising their kids. Right? If I'm looking for marriage advice, I'm looking for people that got a good marriage. You need, we need to start tapping into the untapped resource of our older people in church. That's why I love this church. It's a multi-generational church. I like those kinds. Now we could have all young people, that's okay. But I like to have a mixture of all of them. It's great. It's great. We've got them at 96 years old all the way down to newborns. I love it. Because the more newborns you have, the better it is. They make a noise and they yell and they scream. I love it. I love it. If only Rehoboam would listen. You see, the consequences of Jeroboam also caused this division. Because Jeroboam, it went to his head. How many times do you see a leader become a leader and it go to his head? They're loaded in Washington with those kinds. Lord, have mercy on them. I think when Jesus comes back, he's going to step in Jerusalem and then shoot a fight. Never mind, let's move on. I don't want to stand before God's judgment throne. And try to justify how I use people and hurt people and abuse them. Because you know what, we still do it every day. Even though we may not be in Washington D.C., we still do it every day. It's how we treat the person at the drive-through. We order our food, get up to the window, and then treat them like dirt. Quit that. You ever you ever been a part of the uh, paying it forward line at a drive-through, where you go through and somebody's already paid for yours? So you should, in turn, pay for the one behind you. There was a time when they were counting. I think it was a Starbucks. Twenty-five people in a row kept paying for the person behind them. Unsolicited, they were so touched by the person in front of them they wanted to do it to the person behind. It was fun. It became a game. And the guy checking them out, he's going crazy with it. I think when he got to the last one, he said, "Aren't you going to pay?" <laughs> It's how we treat people. It's how we treat people. Jeroboam got nervous about losing his kingdom. Look at 1 Kings chapter 12. If these people regularly go to offer sacrifices in the Lord's temple in Jerusalem, the heart of these people will return to their Lord. Rehoboam, king of Judah, they will murder me and go back to the king of Judah. You see, he was afraid... Jeroboam was. He was afraid that if he let his people go down to Jerusalem to worship at the temple, that Rehoboam would steal them somehow and they wouldn't come back. He was afraid. He didn't know what to do. That's what happens. So he does what every leader that has no clue what he's doing, that turns his heart away from God, he builds two golden calves for them to worship at doesn't care about God. He's just concerned about His own kingdom. Looking out for number one. This is my kingdom. I'm going to take care of myself. God completely was against this and He goes against what God wanted. God does not want idol worship. God does not want inappropriate priests leading His people. He wants preachers that are sold out Preachers that are in the Word. Preachers that will preach the Word and are unashamed. And will stand when it needs to be be standing. And they need to speak up when they need to speak. And they need to humble themselves when they need to be humble, which is all the time. I know some big time preachers, I wonder if they even know who God is anymore. Because people have told them how great they are. Now they're starting to believe the press, uh, press writings about them. The truth is, you're either living for your kingdom or God's kingdom. And you can't be doing both. Because it affects how you do life and how you treat people. Is it for my benefit, my gain? What am I getting out of it? Is it for my pleasure, my reward? See, a lot of men get married to women for their own selfishness. You want your woman to serve you. You say... Woman, you should submit to what the Bible says. Will you skip the verse that says you're going to want to treat her like Jesus treated the church? Do you want her to learn to be a servant? You sure have!
1: Come on, man, rise up!
0: Stand up! Be who you're supposed to be. I've never seen a woman yet that will follow a man looks like that. Whew! You're talking about some excitement in that house? Uh uh-uh, uh uh uh. Uh-uh. That boy will come home at night. Well, never mind. Alright, let's move on. First Kings 14. Tore the kingdom away from the house of David, gave it to you, but you were not like my servant David, who kept my commands and followed me with all his heart, doing uh, only what is right in my eyes. You behave more wickedly than all of those who were before you. In order to provoke me, you have proceeded to make for yourself other gods and cast images. But you have flung me behind your back. He's talking about Jeroboam. Because there's a way that seems right. And if only Jeroboam had sought God's kingdom. But you know what? There is a little bit of good news in this whole story. And that is the grandson of Solomon named Asa. He wasn't like his dad's. Uh, or his fathers he wouldn't like his grandmothers first kings 15 Asa did what was right in the lord's eyes as the, as his ancestor david had done the high places were not taken away but asa's heart was completely devoted to the lord how long his entire life you have a choice What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? You may be saying, you don't know what a mess my life is. You're right. I don't know. And maybe your life is really messed up. But here's what I do know. Is that I know a God who specializes in cleaning up messed up lives. I know a God who can restore. I know a God... Who can love you no matter how bad you've been? Well, preacher, you just don't, I don't have to understand because I already know how God is. If God can take a donkey and have that donkey preach, there might be hope for me. If God can take Moses, who stuttered, and use him to lead the children of Israel out, he could use you. If God could use Abraham, Who lied to God tried to give his sister away or his wife away as his sister, I should say. Yeah. God could use you. God could use David, a man after his own heart, who saw a woman bathing at night when he shouldn't even have been in the palace in the first place. But he knew. He knew what time of day it was. He knew what the women did. And he was at the highest point in the whole, in the whole part of Jerusalem. He was there. Why? Because he's a man. He knew what he was doing. And yet he's a man for God's own heart. And yet God restored him, didn't he? God forgave him, didn't he? Yeah. But as I said, there's ripple effects to our choices. And David had ripple effects. Second lesson I want you to learn is that what God promises, God delivers. God has a pretty good track record of keeping His promises. He promised Abraham He would make a great nation uh, from a chi- from a couple that was beyond childbearing years. And He delivered on that, by the way. He, made, he promised Moses that if the people of Israel kept the laws that He gave them, He would bless them. And if they would turn away from these laws. He would discipline them and God delivered on that promise. God made a promise to David that His tribe would be established forever. God delivered on that promise because in God's plan is to bring us back to Him. And here's Easter. Jesus the Messiah would come from the line of David and would reign forever as the King of kings, the Lord of lords. It all was in God's plan. You see it? Even when you mess up and I mess up, guess what? It's all in God's plan because He can take that and restore. I'm so glad that He can do that. God delivers on His promises even when it doesn't seem like it at the time. See, Rehoboam is being disciplined. It appears that the southern tribe of Judah is one that has been weakened and will eventually fade away. But Jeroboam goes to the wrong people, gets wrong advice, makes wrong decisions... And most of the kingdom rebels and follows Jeroboam. Rehoboam prepares for war to win the kingdom back. It's an epic battle. But it doesn't look like God can keep His word on this. But God cannot be made out to be a liar. God always keeps His word. Sometimes, though, we have to wait. We have to wait, don't we? Because both Rehoboam and Jeroboam eventually turned their backs on God, but it didn't matter. Because God delivers on His promises with or without us. God was continuing to establish a nation that would point the world to Him and reflect His image. You see, God made another promise. He said in the New Testament, I will build my church. He didn't say maybe. He didn't say if the people will help me. It's a non-negotiable truth. I will build my church with or without us. But I don't know about you. But I'd prefer to be on that side where he's, I'm helping him. Amen? Because I like being on his side. Because just him and me, we win. <laughs> I don't need a whole lot. I just need him. That's it. And Derek was serving communion. Derek's a defensive lineman at Tulsa University. I'd just about go anywhere with Derek. Amen? But even Derek, as big as Derek is, as strong as Derek is, He needs God too. And if God's with Derek, you might as well just quit right there. Don't even even bring it up. But all you need is God. And He can do so much more. So much more than we hope or ask. But I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of God's uh, seeing what God can do. And I would prefer that God use me and let me help Him. Because you see... He says, Harold, if you'll just come and give me a hand, hand in hand, we can get this done. Boy, that's, that's good news, isn't it? That's good news. Because I would rather serve Him than continue to live in disobedience. And disobedience is what Easter's about. Disobedience causes Easter. Disobedience put Him on the cross. Disobedience put Him in the grave. And hallelujah, God crushed the disobedience by resurrecting Him on the third day. Little Philip, born with Down syndrome, attended a third grade Sunday school class with several eight year old boys and girls. Typical of that age, the children did not accept Philip readily, because he was different. But because they had a creative teacher, they began to care about Philip and accept him as part of the group, but not fully. The Sunday after Easter, the teacher brought legs, pantyhose containers. You know the ones that look like a big egg? She brought a bunch of those in. And so she puts them on the table and she tells each of the kiddos, grab an egg, go outside and find a, a sign of life and put it, in the, put it in the egg and bring it back in. So boy, they all scurried out. They covered the church property. They're finding stuff. They're bringing it in. There was a butterfly. There was, uh, where, where, where did my notes go here? There was butterflies. There was leaves. There was all kinds of things in there. Uh, Flowers. There was flowers. And all the kids were going, ooh and ah. And then she got to one egg and she opened it up and it was empty. And the kids said, man, that is stupid. That's not fair. Somebody didn't do their assignment. Well, Philip speaks up. He says, that's my egg. Philip, you don't even do things right. Students scream. There's nothing there. I did so do it, Philip said. I did do it. It's empty. The tomb was empty. Well, it was silent for a few moments. And from that day on, from that moment on, Philip became a full member of the class. He died not long after that from a Infection that most normal kids would shrug off. But at the funeral, this class of eight-year-olds marched up to the front of the church, not with flowers, but with their Sunday school teacher, each of them, to lay an empty hose egg. That's Easter. And we have hope now. We have hope. And that hope gives us life. And that life is given abundantly. More than we could ever hope or ask. So today. Today. Is it your day? Let's pray. Father, I thank You so much for reminding us of the power of your resurrection. Though we've studied about a kingdom that was torn in two. Torn in two because of the rebellion of your servants. Who lost sight of why they were serving. Why they were leading. Why they were where they were. But God you restore through the grandson Asa, you restore. Through anybody who's obedient to you and says, God, I'll, do, I'll go where you want me to go, you restore. No matter how bad our lives have been, you can restore. And as we learn from the story of little Philip, life is found At the empty tomb. Would there be someone today, Lord, that would respond to that in Jesus' name. Amen. Song of invitation. Let's stand. Let's sing.